Yes, this is EM Case's Best Case Ever mini-podcast series, and I'm your host, Dr. Anton Hellman. In anticipation of our episodes on pediatric fever and pediatric sepsis, we have with us Dr. Sarah Reed, an old friend of mine from my medical school days in Ottawa, who is now the CME Director of the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Ottawa, who's going to tell us her best case ever when it comes to pediatric patients with fever. Dr. Reed, let it rip. (laughs) So my best case ever was a nine-year-old previously healthy girl who presented to a family physician's office in the suburban area of Ottawa with a history of having vomiting and diarrhea for a couple of days. She lived at home with her teenage brother and her dad, and uh, the dad had gone off to work that morning, leaving the adolescent brother to look after her. She um, had had fairly significant losses in terms of vomiting and diarrhea, But when he got home from work that afternoon, she was really sick. So she looked very unwell. He was quite worried about her. So bundled her up into the car and took her to the family doctor's office. The family doctor assessed her. He did a full set of vital signs and wrote a note that stated that her heart rate, remember she was nine years of age, her heart rate was at 140 and her blood pressure was 77 on 40. Her respiratory rate was 36. No oxygen saturation was done. And he wrote a note saying that he was worried that she looked sick, and he sent her by car to the emergency department with the the note with the vital signs listed. So unfortunately, the doctor's office was a bit far away, so it took them some time to get to the emergency department, let's say 45 minutes. By the time she arrived on our doorstep, she was gray, she was shut down, she looked like she was pre-arrest. So she was whisked into the resuscitation room, immediately put on oxygen, two lines were started, fluid was started in terms of bolusing. She actually was not febrile when she came in, but she looked like she was in shock. And those vital signs would really reinforce it, that she was in decompensated shock. So you'll remember that her blood pressure was 77 on 40, and her minimum acceptable blood pressure for her age would have been 88 systolic. So she was hypotensive, so in shock. So two lines got started. We were bolusing her like crazy. So 20 cc's per kilo of normal saline slammed in with uh, syringes and repeated three more times for a total of 80 cc's per kilo. Given her shocky state, she was covered with antibiotics. So ceftriaxone was given. A blood sugar was done and her blood sugar was 1.2. So when her peripheral line had gotten started, other labs had been sent off in terms of renal function and electrolytes, CBC blood culture, serum glucose, blood gas, lactate. So her initial, like I said, her glucometer was 1.2. So she was treated with 5 cc's per kilo of D10. And, uh, you know, we got some more history and she just had had this kind of what sounded like a viral illness and then this sort of precipitous kind of crash at home. We were starting this the fourth bolus, as I mentioned. And so we had paged a, a PICU to come down to see her. We started her on dopamine, essentially presuming that she was kind of like a septic shock because if she had just been a hypovolemic shock related to her vomiting and diarrhea, you'd expect her to perk up after those initial fluid boluses. So we were treating her now more like a septic shock. She was covered with antibiotics, like I said. Um, And then her electrolytes came back and her sodium was 124 and her potassium was 6.4. And when she was fully undressed, she did look a little bit tanned compared to her dad. 
And it was, um, uh, of course, it was the middle of winter. So it actually turned out that, well, at that point, we had started inotropes and her blood pressure was still very soft and she was still tachycardic and not that well perfused. So with those electrolyte results, we were quite concerned about adrenal insufficiency. And so she was treated with a two milligram per kilo dose of hydrocortisone, presuming that part of her shock was related to adrenal insufficiency. And it did turn out later on in ICU that she was diagnosed with Addison's disease. So she was my best case ever. What a great case. That just drives home the point that one of the differences between the management of septic shock in adults versus kids is that there's a much lower threshold to give steroids in these kids suspected of septic shock. Yeah, I mean, this kid, I, you know, it was it was sort of an easy diagnosis once you get that hyponatremia and hyperkalemia back um, on your labs with the hypoglycemia. I mean, it's going to be adrenal insufficiency for us. You're quite right that even in something that's not that clear, if you have a child who you've done the 60 per kilo of normal saline boluses, they're still not better. You've started inotropes. They're still not better in the guidelines. It does state that um, hydrocortisone then should be given um, for catecholamine resistant shock. In our case, because of the electrolyte results, it was a bit more clear that something adrenal was going on. On the two upcoming episodes with Dr. Reed and Dr. Netto, we're going to be talking about pediatric fever without a source, as well as a whole bunch of pearls and pitfalls when it comes to pediatric fever in general. And then in the second episode, we're going to be talking about pediatric sepsis. So until next time, take it easy. Take it easy.